Truth is the authority. All right, first thing, bring your A game because I'll take nothing less. I mean, we don't need more regulations. We need far less of them. We're going to have an open and honest discussion, but the numbers are what matter. The facts matter. Forget about the Republicans and the Democrats for a minute. Let's talk about the people. I've lived the American dream, and I want so many more people to be able to live the American dream. My show is what it says. It's common sense. We've jettisoned political correctness. It's principles and policies that work for everybody. I just want to talk about how to fix this country. The David Webb Show. Joining me now, the Honorable Ryan Zinke, former Navy SEAL commander, former state senator, former U.S. congressman, former 52nd Secretary of the Interior, and running once again uh, to represent the state of Montana and his district, uh, RyanZinke.com, the website for his congressional race. A lot on the table for us, Ryan, uh, oil and energy in America, but First to Afghanistan and where we are now, this is a degrading situation on a daily basis. It's eight hours uh, difference. So, you know, there's more that comes in the evening, unfortunately, and some of the brutality uh, than happens during the day. Well, you're exactly right. And it is an unmitigated disaster. There's no doubt about it. And look, we spent you know, two decades with the military building and this president uh, dismantled it in a matter of weeks. We left at night, uh, uncoordinated, no, no idea what to do. And now you, now you, and we gave up Kabul uh, or, or the, the airport. We lied on the, the airport in Kabul and Kandahar was a much bigger facility, secure, two runways, lots of apron. And yet we went to an area that made evacuations almost impossible. And we left behind, you know, those allies that fought toe-to-toe, shoulder-to-shoulder with us. And I can tell you, in Special Forces, there's a saying about winning the hearts and minds. And across the globe, Special Forces are in dozens of countries today. And we rely on indigenous, on foreign counterparts as part of a force multiplier. Now, the signal is clear. In times of duress, we're not going to be with you. This stain is going to last for a while. It's going to be hard to get rid of this stain because a lot, of, a lot of our allies and friends no longer have confidence that we're going to be there. You know, just to that point, uh, before we expand into others, uh, the different mission sets, as, as you talk about, and there are many of the members of those forces listening, uh, that is something that has not been discussed much in the media. We do still have to operate on a daily basis around the world. So how would or how could we reassure those in those areas or can we at this point? Well, it, you know, it's, it's difficult because of, of the extreme disengagement, the lack of a planning, and quite frankly, the lack of confidence. You know, if you're Taiwan right now looking at, at China, and China has always been looking at Taiwan, um, you know, you're, you're feeling nervous because the U.S. Uh, has shown in Afghanistan that even our allies, and these are, these are, you know, interpreters and our closest allies that put themselves and their families at risk. 
And in some cases, their families were targeted and killed just because they were working with the U.S. And, and now that's the signal. So, you know, I'm not sure how uh, President Biden is going to get out of this mess. You know, I think the, 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 what, what, what I wanted to hear from the president was this is the actions we've taken, this is the current situation, and this is where we're going in the future. None of that was given in his press conference. It was just finger-pointing. And now I would imagine the assessment should be, let's look at the U.S. citizens in Afghanistan, prioritize those. The second is our allies and their families. And then the, the other, you know, what are we going to do if we should do anything about the the immigrants, the migrants, the refugees. But look, you know, we already don't have a southern border. I mean, when when last month 210,000 people came across our border, you know, Jesus you know, had to send them to Tijuana, and, and then they just walk across. So th- this has been an unmitigated disaster. But if you look at the last six months, as you point out, uh, it, it's been a disaster. You have asking OPEC to produce more energy when we're trying to eliminate fossil fuel energy in, in this country. We have an open border. We have Afghan. And then, then you look at the economy. Inflation is coming. This is, this is a disaster. You know, by the way, on that OPEC point, and we don't know what the final answer looks like, but OPEC responded to Biden by basically saying no. You know the 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 amount of barrel per, barrels produced per day will not be relieved. It just makes no sense to me, Ryan, that you would go to OPEC when we have the ability here. But you know that happened in the midst of all of this. When you talk about refugees, and certainly our southern border is a concern. Uh, I explained earlier the daily transit or almost daily transit from countries like Iran into Venezuela by airplane and others. There's an opportunity to move uh, terrorists and other actors to come up through our southern border. But how much of a threat do you think this is to Europe? If you look at the geography, uh, there's a transit path through Turkey into Europe uh, as well as transportation. You know, the national threat is clear. It, there's a present danger because we don't have it a control. You know, on the southern border, we we don't have a vetting system. We don't have a, a, a screening on even COVID, which are which are pretty much pretty much now. You know, we can test within within an hour or so. You know, they have the quick test. We don't even do that. We do, we do, people come across the border, we put them on buses, we, we give them a slip of paper at, at times saying, hey, show up in a couple of years for a, for, a, for a hearing, and 98% or so don't show up. Uh, and we don't know who these people are. And, you know, there, there are a lot of countries that hate us, probably more today than, than what, you know, previously in the, in the last you know, few days, uh, that want to destroy this country. You know, hey, we have we have american citizens that hate this country and, and so you know we need to secure the southern border we, you know we can do that it's within our within our capability of a great nation like we can we can make sure that that you know and I, to be clear i agreed with leaving afghanistan and 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 withdrawing but not like this you don't leave in the middle of the night and you don't leave our our allies and those that follow us hanging and you don't you don't leave without a plan 
Uh, it, 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 you know, military does a lot of things really good. Generally, military does, you know, planning. I don't see much in, in, in this case. Deeply disappointed. Uh, you know, but I, I think this, this goes at the heart of it is that we have an administration uh, that just, is, you know, can't get the job done, doesn't know where we're going. And a lot of, a lot of us rhetoric, uh, but look, our country's in trouble. And this is why I'm compelled to run is that, you know, the biggest threat I think facing this country is not Russia, China, or even Iran. It's the deep divisions within this country, David. I mean, it's almost you have two trusts, and we have to rise as an American people, red, white, and blue, to make sure that Afghanistan, and make sure that we have a border, make sure that the things that are essential to our government and to our people, more importantly, like self-determination, limited government, uh, freedoms, those have to be protected. And what I'm seeing right now is our Constitution is under duress, our reputation, our credibility overseas is 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 now deeply stained and even our troops in the field that rely again on on our foreign counterparts uh they're in trouble so you know across the board we need a change now my guest ryan zinke congressional candidate by the way his website ryanzinke.com uh on the ground in Afghanistan, and you brought up Kandahar as an example earlier, right? A more secure uh, departure base. Uh, Bagram went without, it seems, even a fight. Uh, you know, Bagram, again, another secure area that could have been used even close to Kabul. It's about 50 or so miles from Kabul. So to what extent it is, could have been some help there, but Bagram was gone in a matter of hours. Uh, that's something we may find out how in due time. But for those on the ground, you've got a ring around the airport. Our troops are under orders not to open fire unless fired upon. That's the current rules of engagement. But in order to get those citizens and out, they're being told to make their way to the airport. That's not realistic, Ryan, where it is right now. The Taliban stops everyone. Women are certainly not wandering out into the streets for a variety of reasons, including trying to get out of the country. That won't be allowed. And, you know, while we're talking about Kabul alone, this is across the country where there are people that want to get out or need to get out, whether it be allies or Americans visiting families. So how does this likely play out? And, you know, does it even look like it will play out in the positive? Well, first, when the Biden administration says we're going to rely on the Taliban, now that, that, let's take a couple steps back and understand who the Taliban are. They're the ones that helped in, this, in the September 11th attack. They're the ones, many of the leadership positions were in Gitmo. They were the worst of the worst. The intelligence community, the military said, don't let these guys go. And President Obama, Remember on the trade, uh, which I think, you know, you had a trader out there that left his post. And what we did is we, we gave him the worst, the worst in trade. Guess what? They're back. So that's who we're dealing with, with the Taliban. And when the administration says we're going to rely on the Taliban for safe passage. Now, how much credibility do I, do I give with that? I give just about as much credibility as this Biden administration is going to be there with our, with our allies in time of need. Zero. 
So yeah, I, I think you know we're gonna we're gonna at this point in time probably we're gonna have to have a safe haven, uh, maybe in a maybe in Pakistan somewhere around it, because they're only talking about Kabul right now. But there's probably U.S. citizens you know spread around. And you know, shelter. How long are you going to do that without without any logistics, without any support, without without any, any movement capability? So this thing is a mess. Uh, you know, it, it and it should never have happened. A number number one, we have we have you know, quality people in the military. We have good planners. This thing should never never have happened the way it was. I think the president was was likely advised. You know, this this could happen, but this is when you have a disengagement and a policy that is run away, run away, and that's what we did. What's the possibility of, or I don't know if that's the right way to phrase this, Ryan, but when you talk about Pakistan, uh, Pakistan, as it was reported in the beginning of August, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, they saw this coming. They completed, the Pakistan army completed over 90% of their fence at the beginning of August against the Afghan border, a 1,622-mile border. They wanted protection from the fall of Afghanistan. Uh, Pakistan typically operates when they have an interest. We have an interest, by the way, in securing the nuclear weapons or making sure they're secure in Pakistan. Uh, so what about their their role, how they would act potentially? What could they provide? It's not like they can cross in and say, hey, we're going to come pick you up in, pa- in Afghanistan and bring you over to Islamabad. Well, you know, Pakistan has two great divisions. They have the intelligence agency, uh, which generally does not work in our favor. And then they have the military. And I have a lot of friends that they're in the Pakistan military. Many of them are Western trained. Uh, there seems to be a division. And then, then on top of it is the, is the government. So Pakistan itself is very complex. But, you know, in as far as geography goes, you know, certainly Pakistan is more stable uh, than Afghanistan. And there's a chance that we can, we can have a, at least a foothold in there to, to expedite some of the American citizens. Uh, you have the capital Kabul right now is, is, is under duress as you, as you talk about, and the Taliban are screening. I mean, if you're, if you want to take a chance on, on trying to go through a Taliban, you know, the screening process, uh, I can I can tell you, it's probably uh, not a good role uh, on, on, on the dice. So uh, we're going we're to have to look at, you know, somehow to, somehow to communicate uh, with our American citizens and have these points where they can be either brought by helicopter. Uh, and, and certainly the U.S. has enough military might, if we so choose to, to evacuate on, on a on a more aggressive neo, but you know, look, our, our citizens are important. Uh, that's, that's prior to our citizens. Let's get our, our allies and those families, uh, that, that fought with us out and then, and then look at the refugee, what we can should, uh, do. You know, for our service members, those that have been redeployed into Afghanistan, Ryan, they can not call it a mission in the White House if they want. But fact is, they're on the ground faced with an unknown literally every minute of the day. What should be the rules of engagement for our military that have been redeployed 
whether in Kabul at the airport and to some extent uh, we even have contractors still out there in Afghanistan. Well, you know, when they say, well, you, you only can be you only engage when you're shot at uh, the seals use threat, non-threat. Uh, if you're if you're threatened, uh, you're free to engage. But, you know, I, in, I can tell you in Fallujah and some of the other other you know battles I've been in, you know, you're, you're watching people unload weapon systems, ammunition systems, and they're not they're not doing it for fun. They're doing it to to wipe you out. And sometimes you, you you have to you have to engage first. And look, if if we have our troops in harm's way, uh, they need rules of engagement to win. Now they're they're surrounded in Kabul, so th- this is a this is a mess. Uh, and you know we we do have air support. We're going to rely have to rely on our our allies to make sure that we have you know enough enough airstrips uh, to have the, the level of protection we need. And then, then you get to the well. What about the Afghan military that we armed? You know, where's all those tanks and vehicles and armaments? Well, guess what? The Taliban's got them. So uh, I'm not, I can't determine whether or not we even have an inventory of what they have. Uh, but whatever, whatever we gave the Afghan forces, you can rest assured that the Taliban now are pointing in our direction. Yeah, just to perspective on this and this goes back to about 2014 to 15 and it's built up since then around Kabul airport in the hills they began to build out apartments uh, buildings went up those were some of the areas that were used and actually that was one of the areas used to start uh, the firefight with the Air Force FOB which is there on the flight line in Kabul at the airport around that you talk about position you have the Taliban now in those positions. Uh, I don't think people understand. This is effectively, you know, I, I don't want to call it a kill box, but the reality is they have height, they have line of sight, and with those weapons, you know, that already existed and was already used. I don't see why that wouldn't be the case now. This is why I, I look at this and I say, you know, we can't pretend that the airport is some secure environment. It's not. Well, Kabul is certainly a, a, a better airport, you know, was Kandahar because, you know, that had two runways, it had aprons. You could put 100, you know, C, C-17s in that airport. I, I don't know how much we spent on it, but, you know, if we're going to do a do a, an evacuation, that's a type of airport you, you need rather than one strip, you know, as you say, uh, giving the position to the enemy. And now the Taliban certainly have now the armament and certainly have the capability in numbers uh, and mass uh, to overwhelm anything the U.S. has you know, in, a, in a small airport. Uh, so, you know, it, you, know, you, know, it's, you know, how did we get there? It's important to realize the path of how we got there. It's important to realize the situation where we're in. And, and now what are we going to do forward? Uh, I, I think you got to put it in three buckets again. You got to get the U.S. citizens out and have enough enough strength and firepower. We have we have air supremacy, supremacy. So we have we have that going for us. I I, I love our military. The military is once again put in a, a bad spot, uh, but I, I believe we can persevere if we had the resolve to do so. I'm just not seeing any resolve from this administration. Uh, yeah. You know, right now it's been retreat, 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 and even retreating to Camp David. 
And, you know, again, from a commander-in-chief, what I expected was I expected, hey, these are the decisions we made leading up to this. This is the current situation, and this is what we're going to do about it. What I didn't hear a lot was what the real situation is in the ground. It, oh, by the way, what are we going to do? We can uh, certainly hope that the Taliban don't achieve any level of air capacity, certainly not supremacy. I don't think they'll reach that soon. But, you know, just on that flight line alone was where those check kilos were put in place, uh, reconnaissance planes. Uh, if that turns over, the situation changes uh, could change even more dramatically. Uh, Ryan Zinke, ryanzinke.com, also congressman for uh, candidate for Congress uh, once again in Montana. You know, David, I think I think you should run. Look, I, I got, you know, we need five more seats to win the House of Representatives. I got five seals, uh, five for five, that all of them can win. And you know what? I think you should run. It's, it, it, it's time. Every, every American needs to do a duty here because we need to pull out of this. Because I, I, I think if we don't get the majority back, I think this country could fail. So the plan is let's get the majority back. Let's get the right people that are red, white, and blue, love this country, and are, are, are willing to serve at the highest levels. David, I, I, I think you ought to run. But if I'll, I'll let write you your try. first check. <laughs> All right, my friend. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll discuss that one offline, as I like to say. But uh, thanks for joining me, as always. We'll be talking again soon. Thank you, Dave. God bless. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. RyanZinke.com, 866-95-PATRIOT, 957-2874. I'll be right back. 